The following talk was given by Bill W. at the close of the first Al-Anon World Service Conference at the Chelsea School in New York City in April of 1961. Bill's talk follows. Thank you and welcome to the annual get-together of Al-Anon. It's a very nice thing, so many of you here. Uh, it's even more of a privilege to be up here. I think we'll open in the usual way with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, Bill, as you know, is here. Usually he comes in late, but it's necessary for him to get to another meeting. So without further ado, I'll give you our own Bill. Hello, dear people. Because of my advancing age, it was suggested that I need not come tonight, the heavy duties of the General Service Conference being the reason. But I wouldn't miss this occasion for the world, even though I must change, miss, shortchange you this time by getting off a little early. And the one sentence that always strikes me as I stand here at this annual rally is this. Al-Anon is the greatest thing that's happened since AA began. You know the 12 steps are not only a way to sobriety, they are a way to life. And we drunks come into AA, and the aim is sobriety, because without it there is nothing. And we do the first step, and we do the last step, and we run madly and happily around in AA. And then we come home and we say, Mama, you'd better get a load of this. You certainly need it. <laughs> so the earlier idea among the brethren, the alcoholic brethren, of Ma's getting a load of this was that Mom come down to the meetings where she could warm her hands at the blazing flame of Alcoholics Anonymous. And she could make coffee. And she could have the house full of drunks who burnt up the carpet and threw cigarettes on the floor and stayed all night. And she could wait on stricken AAs. So that's how Ma got her load in the early days of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
Yet I must add that even from the earliest times, there was very naturally a deep kinship in experience and indeed in suffering between those who had been our partners. So in a way there was a kind of an Al-Anon all along. There was this exchange of experience. Uh, there was this attempt to apply the Twelve Steps. There was an attempt to uh, understand the erring boy, who indeed might still be erring, even though sober. I think, though, there was a deep yearning to belong. And because of the rather exclusive nature of Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't think you folks ever felt you quite belonged. Then about 1950 or 51, there was a getting together among you folks which copied the early attempts that Lois sponsored up in the old AA club and at home where we had meetings of getting the wives together. The same kind of a thing that Ann Smith did out in Akron. The same thing that had sporadically sprung up here and there. But we began to get requests for listings in the AA directory for uh, groups various names, but obviously the families and friends of AA who wished to get together and who were indeed getting together. Not so much to find out what ailed the alcoholic, that had already become very obvious, but to find out what ailed them and how the alcoholic way of life had deformed them and what they could do about these emotional dislocations and how, if the spouse was still drinking or had sobered and was even harder to live with than when drinking, how you could relate yourself to him in a way to promote practicing these principles in all our affairs. So really, it was but a bare ten years ago when this huge vacuum in family relations commenced to be filled. And in a way, it's nobody's fault that it was the last to be filled. Because the close-in relations were the hardest, and the more distant were the easiest. It was easy enough for an active AA to be highly approved in the group and to feel uh, perhaps a little over-important about it. Happily, most AAs uh, had learned to do something supremely well in business, no matter what the business was. So it wasn't too hard to get jobs and to relate yourself to the employer and bring home a paycheck. The average AA was applauded in the community for doing himself 
something which the God of grace, uh, grace of God had really done. So these more remote relations were the ones attended to first because they were the easier. And then there was the sort of widowhood which was imposed upon partners of drunks. The drunks knew that they had to work hard with other people. Sometimes this was carried to extremes. So Mom often felt uh, that she was on shore where as A was like a lot of a flock of ducks around on the other side of the island where she quite won. Now, in the good life, it's senseless to assess blame. I've had no intention of doing this. But these were the conditions that led up to the formation of what I have just declared to be the greatest thing that's happened since AA began. Moreover, you people had to take your woes without anesthetic. We drunks had the booze. So in came these inquiries to be listed in the AA directory. And by this time, the headquarters people knew that... Uh, this was a sort of a touchy subject. And I remember that the 1951 or 52 AA conference was then in session, and among its proposals was one that we list these new family groups, as they were called mostly, in the directory. I think most of us in headquarters failed. And to our surprise, and not a little embarrassment, delegates rose on the floor and made impassioned speeches. No, never. They ain't going to get into this club. So the very obvious and happy solution, and the right solution was, that you form your own clubs, and that you run them yourselves, and the drunks like me only be admitted by sufferance, written permits if necessary, in which you could thrash out your own trouble. Such is the backdrop against which this society took shape. And from a mere 75 groups then clamoring to register, you have now run into how many, I always lose count, 1,500 1, groups. And now many of you sitting here have come from the far reaches and distant places, I dare say some overseas. And the growth of this thing, and the rapidity with which this void has been filled, has astounded and amazed us all. It is a growth faster than AA ever had in its pioneering period. So like AA, you people too have gone through the time of your childhood, Al-Anon-wise, through the time of adolescence, 
So now today, together with AA, and only this day, this particular day, you people have crossed a great threshold into a new future. This morning, I was admitted without ticket to the first meeting of the General Service Conference of Alma. After only ten years of life as such, why it took the drunks nearly twenty years to make up their minds to have a conference. Now this means that these dedicated folks here at headquarters, lowest standing for them, as in a way I've stood for AA, have carried on and, and have helped to unify Al-Anon, have helped to spread it. It has been a self-appointed task. But you too, like AA, have adopted a similar tradition. And one of these traditions says that the ultimate authority shall be God as you shall speak in the group conscience. And as I went down this morning and I looked at that meeting, and they had them parceled out as headquarters people and uh, a sprinkling of delegates and a number of observers, and I saw the beginning of a welding of a family of service which might further unify AA, which would not get its authority from you, Lois and me, but which would get its authority and guidance from you. Now, as small as this meeting was, and considering the trepidation which the headquarters people had on its approach, I've heard it came out very well and could have predicted that. And it's the augury of far greater things to come. Now then, some of us in AA have always kind of had a notion that this was kind of program would be good for everybody. Uh, you know, uh, might have a world effect. And yet we AAs have known better than even say this very loudly. And I don't know that you people say it loudly. But please take notice of the fact that this thing has progressed from the drunk to the family to the friends and now, praise God, to the children who God bent up these allergies. So that the blame of the spirit is greater than the blaze of AA. It is the blaze of all near and dear to them, and the world is taking increasing note. God forbid we think it our destiny to save the world, especially appointed by God. But I think this society affords a prime example 
who would come and see and feel. of the kind of life that so many people would like to lead if they only knew about it. I've run out of my better adjectives, so I'm going to conclude this with no rhetorical flourish I'm simply going to say, dear folks, ain't it pretty damn wonderful?